0: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise, the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to hear a voice from the other side. I thank God this morning for what God has done for us. Uh, as people celebrate their birthdays, we want to celebrate a whole year and a lockdown, which has been good. It's good to celebrate. Probably it has made some of us to understand what it means to be Family rooted in our houses, and to engage our families in a better way. Praise the Lord. Uh, this morning, I want us just to share something that I believe God has laid on my heart. Uh, I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, Mark chapter 4. I will start from verse 34. I'll start from verse 34 onwards. Uh, the subject that we'll be, will be discussing all this under the subject of storms in life. Storms in life. Storms in life. The Bible says... In verse 34, in fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. So that implies that when Jesus was teaching in public, there was some truth that he was withholding there were some important things that he was withholding specifically for his disciples. Then he will take leave, go elsewhere to begin to expound on those things in depth. In other words, there were some special nuggets in the messages that Jesus Christ was giving out that were specifically meant for the disciples and not just everybody else. And so he would share out that which he meant for the public and isolate the special nuggets for his own disciples. And then he would go somewhere and begin to share this truth. Such was this occasion, in verse 35 it says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So in other words, it implies he wants to isolate them from the crowd and begin to expound on some truth, to reveal some things that probably the whole crowd would not appreciate or they were not targeting the entire crowd. And so he sets off with his disciples. But interestingly, the Lord being a very wonderful teacher, he uses a different approach. Probably, would I refer to this as a discovery method? He didn't want to speak out. He wants the disciples to go through an experience that will begin to reveal certain things they had never experienced in their relationship with him in a deeper way. So he just exposes them to the situation. He just exposes them to the situation and then begins to make them understand. And sometimes it doesn't require you to explain much when somebody has experienced something because it's a a lesson in itself. Somebody experiencing something, it is firmly a kind of, uh, what would I say, imprinted in him. He will never forget it again because it's something he went through, he experienced. So verse 36, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. Then there's some part which adds, although other boats followed. So in this crossing of the lake, there is one specific boat that is of interest. However, there are other boats also in the same situation. So they may learn the lesson, they may not learn, but Christ is interested in this one single boat and the people inside. He wants them to have an experience from which they they are bound to learn something about him that the crowd may not experience. So this is specifically meant for them. Verse 37, the Bible says, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Now it is instructive from the past verse that we have, we have learned, we have read. Other boats are in this situation. This storm cannot have targeted only one boat in the midst of many other boats. Other boats were experiencing the same situation, but God is focusing us on this one single boat. And one aspect we pick out from this one single boat, Jesus was in that boat. Jesus was in that boat. But then it was among the boats that were experiencing the fierce storm that came. Not only that, the high waves were causing water to come into the boat. And this was an issue of concern because the troubles that these people are facing were also involving Jesus Christ who was there. So it is important for us to get something very clear here. I am sure the other people in the other boats were also battling out. They were also finding solutions to the situation. But when we come to verse 38, the Bible says Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Jesus had taken time to rest, had taken time to feel good on a cushion somewhere at the back of the boat. On the other side, the disciples were desperate. They were walking round to see that they do not drown. There was a real situation, a real danger of them drowning. And this was an issue that they had to battle. I'm sure they had tried to scoop some of the water out of the boat and probably they weren't managing. That's the point they realized, come on, We cannot battle alone here. There is one person in the boat who is having a good time. He doesn't seem to be bothered by what we are going through. And so they broke the protocol. I'm sure previously, probably they would say, oh, Rabboni, how are you? They would have a good introduction. Having seen lived in the Middle East, I think the cultures are more or less the same. There's a prolonged greeting. And a lot of inquiry about you as somebody wants to introduce himself, the family, the children, everything. And it sometimes you wonder, what's the problem? You've said, good morning. I've said, good morning. And that's it. But that's their culture. So I believe these people had, having grown in this kind of culture, they would have had a different way of introducing themselves. But listen, The disciples woke him up shouting. The disciples woke him up shouting. This is their abon. They're shouting. They're in this but they're shouting, teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? Is it true that Jesus Christ was not aware? I doubt it. The only difference that he was not bothered with the trouble around. He was not bothered at all because he had a solution. He knew he had power over the elements of nature and so he could not be shaken because he knew who he was. He knew who he was. These disciples had not understood who they were. They only probably thought they were following Jesus Christ and all he did, that was for him. But Christ had wanted them to emulate him. He was role modeling and expected these disciples every time they observed of him doing something, he expected of them also to exercise the same in their lives, just like our children. When they are still young, they are very beautiful. They are also good even when they are grown up. But when they're young, something very interesting. You leave your shoes there and you find that small feet going in that shoes and they're saying, I'm daddy now. I am daddy. They are walking with the feet, the shoes. They can't lift the shoe. They just drag it on the floor. But they are proud to identify themselves like their father, like their father. They are very eager to be like their father. Do not forget to take them another three decades, four decades to be like their father. But at that time, it's like it's a struggle. Whatever they see in their father, they want also to be the same. They don't know how long it has taken their father to be who he is. They don't care how much struggle he has gone through to be who he is, but all they are proud is that I want to be like father. They don't know how much it costs that shoe to be bought, but all they know, I want to put on shoes like my father. This is what Jesus expected of the disciples, that they should by time be gathering some information from him, not necessarily by him sitting them down and telling them, I want you to do this, but learning from observation by observation and being able to model their lives in line with the life of Christ. So they come shouting at him, teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? And then Jesus, in verse 39, woke up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. A few seconds ago, it was a point of death. These people were desperate. They were fighting for their lives. They were fighting for their survival. The next second, the wind, the storm is commanded. Silence, be still, and suddenly it stopped. And there was a great calm, a great calm. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, my husband, there was a great calm. My wife, there was a great calm. My daughter, there was a great calm. My son, there was a great calm. My father, there was a great calm. We all need this calm in life. So Jesus Christ stops this thing. I want you to pick out this point. He did not wake up and shout at the disciples, stop shouting at me. I am your teacher. No. He quickly addressed the danger that they were facing. He addressed the danger. That tells me In his sleep, the spiritual eye was awake observing what was going on, looking at the panic that these people were going through. And he was saying, when are they going to come and call unto me that I may show them that I care for them? His spiritual eyes were always monitoring the situation. His soul The water came into the boat, but he remained asleep. Most likely his cushion was wet, but he remained asleep. Come, waiting for these people to turn their eyes, to turn their focus from the storm and begin to look at him, the author of life. To look at Jesus, the solution to their problem to look at Jesus, to provide the way out. They were not doing so before, and they were battling. I am imagining, some were contemplating, I cannot die in this boat. I better jump into the river, into the lake, and try to swim. Of course, there were fishermen among them. Most likely, they knew how to swim. I don't know what was happening in the other boats also. Most likely, there were people in the other boats who had already jumped into the ocean, saying, no, the way this boat is moving, I cannot. Let me try to swim. You know, when a storm comes in a situation, the mind, rationality is suspended. So you find people doing very strange things. Jumping into the fire instead of running away from the fire. Because in their mind, somehow it occurs that if I make this move, I have a small chance to survive. Probably that's what was going on at that point. But the Lord stood and said, silence. Jesus is going to speak silence into our storms this morning. He's going to speak silence and to command them to be still, not to bother us anymore. As long as we shall be awake to the fact and alert to the fact that he is there waiting for us to turn to him. We could be going through many storms in life today of different types, different shapes, different forms, but the Lord is present to see us through. He's waiting for us to turn to him. And if we do, he will command them to silence and there will be great calm in our lives. The Bible says it was sudden, it was not gradual, it was sudden. It surprised these people. They were afraid of the storm. Then verse 40, it says, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now that reveals the purpose of Jesus separating them from the crowd and putting them into the boat and telling them, let us go and then him taking a short nap, short nap at the back. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Two things. He wants these people to expel the element of fear from their lives. Fear can only cause us to take wrong decisions. Fear can cause us to lose focus of who our God is. Fear can drive us into desperation. We end up seeking for secondary solutions that are worse off than the first storm that we are going through. Point number two, he wants them to see their level of faith In fact, he says, you still have no faith, which means they're still at zero. All this time they've been celebrating, oh, the Lord is good. He has fed so many people. He can do miracles. But there was no faith in them at that point. And the Lord said, this lesson must be by experience. It's not a lesson I can sit down and tell them how to exercise faith. Faith is something that you exercise as you go on. It is something that you have got to put into practice. You can't say I have so much faith and there is nothing to show for what you have ever exercised the faithful upon. It is something that you must exercise for you to know whether it is there or not and how much is there in relation to what was there previously. So he says, gentlemen, I have worked with you. I have been with you. You are still afraid. I've worked with you all this time. I have shown you what the Father can do if you only believe you are yet to build your faith to a level of trusting. So the storm was good. Tell somebody the storms are good. Storms are good. Storms are good. We don't like them. I don't like them. Let me be honest. I don't like them. If there's a way of avoiding, I would. But sometimes it's necessary for the Father to allow us to go through a storm. And there are lessons for us to draw from this. We do not have to take God for granted. You know, sometimes we walk in, there's too much familiarity with our relationship with God, that we do not remember that he is the creator of the universe. He spoke his word and these things came into existence. Our familiarity with God has eroded our level of faith. We have taken some things for granted. We don't know it takes faith for some of these things to come into existence. So it is important that sometimes the lessons that we have been having in the church be taken practically out in the real life situation so that we may know where we are verse 41 the disciples were absolutely terrified now listen they were afraid before because of the storm but now at the occurrence of this miracle they're completely terrified in other words it has occurred to them they have never understood Jesus. The Jesus they have been working with, they have never understood him well. Last evening, I was laughing in my heart. One sister stood up and said, I have worked with Christ, but I have never, I had never experienced him in this way. She was so excited, and I smiled in my heart. I said, Lord what a wonder you are. You reveal yourself in different ways to different people. You make us understand you in a different way in different situations. It is easy to say, I saw somebody being healed. I saw God reverse a situation in somebody's life. But when it happens to you, yourself, it is like him that dreams. This sister was like dreaming. She slept with a condition in her life, but woke up and looked at herself and saw a change, a physical change on her body, something that had worried her. She saw a sudden change, a noticeable change. Why? she had called upon the Lord. She had walked with Jesus, had different experiences with Jesus, but this one was unique to her life. And she said yesterday, I had never experienced Jesus in such a way. Somebody today is going to cry out and tell Lord, I want to experience you in a different way. I have walked with you in my life five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I want to experience you in a unique way in this moment. Whatever storm you are going through, whatever storm you are experiencing, the Lord wants you to have an experience that will transform and change your relationship with him in a new dimension. And then they said, who is this man? They asked each other. Of course, it's the man you have been working with. He is the same Jesus you have been experiencing. He's the same Jesus you have been talking to people about. But today you need to say, Who is this Jesus, Lord? I have never experienced you in this form. I have never known you in this time, Lord Jesus. I have never experienced you in my life in this way. That will be our language, that this God will reveal himself in a new dimension. And they went about asking each other, and they say, Even the wind and waves obey him. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Why did they mention the wind and the waves? Because they realized these two things, you cannot handle them in your hand and throw them away. They are beyond your control. They are beyond what you can do as a human being. Such are the situations people are finding themselves in today. Storms whose origin they have no knowledge of. Storms whose cause they do not have control. They are but victims of the circumstances they are experiencing. But the lesson from this, this man is able to speak to the elements that are beyond your control. Silence, be still, and there will be still in your life. The waves that are sweeping our lives, left, right, forward, backwards. The waves and winds that are distorting our journey in this world. The Lord is well able to speak to those situations if we give him the opportunity that he deserves. He's watching and waiting. When will Kenneth bring this issue to me? Why is he battling with this issue? Why is he struggling? I am here. I am in his boat. I am in this boat in which he's struggling. For I promised I'll be with him until the close of the age. Why is he battling? Brethren, the Lord wants to speak to your situation and command it out of your life. It doesn't matter what it is. As I speak, I also wait upon God to speak to my situations. I am inviting him into my life to speak in these circumstances that I'm going through. I want him to speak because he alone will command the situations. Some of the things I can only think and imagine where it came from, but the Lord Almighty knows where it has originated from. And because it's the one who created the universe, he is able to speak to those situations and declare them into redundancy at this moment. They will not have effect over my life. I want us to quickly go through four types of storms that we may be experiencing in our lives that are not exhaustive. Some of us may be experiencing one. Some of us may be experiencing two. Some of us may be experiencing three. Some of us may be experiencing all the four. Woe unto you. Praise the Lord but we have a god who is with us the boats that we are sailing through god is there god is there the first storm is the emotional storm emotional storm mark 5 25 mark chapter 5 verse 25 emotional storm A woman in the crowd that suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Verse 27, she heard about Jesus. We are speaking about Jesus. We are speaking about the same Jesus this afternoon. She heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. Verse 28, for she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe I will be healed immediately the bleeding stopped suddenly the wind stopped immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible disease condition praise the lord I don't know what you're going through maybe experiencing this emotional, maybe going through an emotional storm. This woman, I'm not sure she was so keen to be in the crowd or to sit long with people. Probably she was the kind who was trying to hide herself because there are some conditions that can be very bad. However, much you want to, to interact with the people, the conditions may not allow people to come close to you. And this woman, in my heart, I think this was a situation where she was feeling unwanted, feeling unacceptable, feeling like she was, she had lost her self-worth. But thank God, in that storm, she had a message about this man, Jesus Christ. She made up her mind, I will slowly sneak behind him and sneak my way through the crowd. Anything that tries to block me from reaching out to Jesus, anything that tries to obstruct me from making my contact with Jesus, I will squeeze my way through until I make my case known unto him. Somebody somewhere this morning must speak the same language like this lady. I have been in this situation long enough Whatever situation is obstructing me from reaching out to Jesus, making my case known unto him, I will lay it aside and penetrate through those obstacles until I make mention of my case unto Jesus." She squeezed her way, and she said, if only I touch. I don't have to make stories. I don't want any history. No, I just want to touch the head. If I touch the head, I shall have made a point of contact with the Messiah. And she did so. The Bible says instantly, instantly, instantly. Her condition changed. The Lord will change our conditions. It doesn't matter. You've been in it long enough. It doesn't matter. It's a time to make a decision. I want a change in my disease, in my condition. I have wasted so much time. I have gone to see experts. I've gone to see those people, professionals, but they have not helped me. In this situation, I need to confront Jesus and not allow him to lie on the cushion in my life and not speak about him as somebody who's just somewhere there. somebody I talk to when I feel like, no, he has to take the burden off my life this afternoon. There was also another woman who was in such an emotional situation again. This place is too hot during the midday. But this woman in this region, many years ago, when Jesus walked on the face of the earth, because of the shame in her life, because of the embarrassment that her life eh, exposed her to, she always chose to go for water when it was too hot, when everybody was taking a nap, when everybody was lying in their house because it's too hot, she chose only at that time to go and fetch water. And this one day, She went to fetch water. She found a man seated at the well. And the man started talking to her. And she asked herself in her heart, everybody runs away from me. Nobody wants to see me with any man around because they know my life. How come this man is talking to me? She built a wall around herself, a defensive wall, and began to say no. We don't talk to people like you. We Samaritans are isolated. You be on your side. Leave me alone. I have enough trouble of my own. Let me agonize over it. That is what was in our spirit. But Jesus was persistently saying, I have come that you may have life and you may have it abundantly. The life we are living now is not life full of abundance, lady. I want to speak life full of abundance into your situation. And the lady listened. And after a short while, this lady was running away from people. This lady was hiding away from people, began to realize the burden of shame was rolling out of her shoulders. The burden of embarrassment was going away because somebody was speaking silence into those situations. a spirit The Spirit of God was speaking healing to her body. Her emotional wounds were being healed at that moment. And the woman could not contain herself. She said, wait a minute, let me just go and speak something to these people. She went back to the city and now. Come see a man who has told me everything. Even the things you people don't know about me, this man has told me. She was no longer embarrassed of her story. It was a new beginning in her life. Our emotional wounds will be healed because we have turned our life to Jesus this morning. We have decided to confront our situation with Jesus, not on our own. Praise the Lord. It will be well with somebody today. Jesus will definitely minister to your need. The second storm, physical storm. Daniel 3, physical storm. Some of us might be experiencing this. Physically, we are being threatened. Physically, we are experiencing situations that we cannot withstand as human beings. I read verse 10 and then skip to verse 17. The rest you can fill in by yourself because of time. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. Verse 17. If we are thrown into the blessing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your goats or worship the gold statue you have set up. These are young people that have been confronted with the situation. They're supposed to be now thrown into a furnace. Why? Because they took a stand. They said, we are not going to worship any other God except the true God. So these people decide to put them in a situation where physically they're going to experience pain, physically, pain. And the Bible says, this man was furious. He threw them into He order that they be bound so that they cannot wriggle out. They cannot go and stand in the corner where the flame is not so hot. They were tied, bound. And thrown into the furnace. Few seconds after, you will read that below later in the verses that follow. Few seconds, the man leaped to his feet. His eyes saw something different. He was expecting to see charred bodies, he was expecting to hear cries, he was expecting to hear people writhing with pain because of the flame. That is what the devil is deciding to see in your life. He's setting conditions for you to agonize, to cry out of pain, to begin to think twice about what you've been believing, to begin to question what you've been believing. But the Lord is always present. You know, if we go back to the story of the boat, that question, don't you care, it's a loaded question. It means the enemy was now playing around with the minds of these people. You see, he says he cares for you, but see where you are. You are about to perish, and he's sleeping. He doesn't care, does he? Can you hear the echoes of the Garden of Eden? If the Lord cares, would you let you experience this? If the Eve of Eden will still occur in the storms today. The Eve that was said in the garden of Eden is also being said in your situation today. If God cares, would he allow you to be thrown into this flame? But I thank God, these young men, before they were thrown, they made a declaration A declaration, even if he does not deliver us, we are not ready. We are not ready. Come what may, we are not ready. The king lived because he saw a fourth man in that midst. People rejoicing, celebrating, and there was a fourth man, Jesus Christ, the son of God there is a fourth man in your situation today. There is a fourth man in your situation. It doesn't matter who has caused that problem. The Bible says there will be a fourth man in your situation. He is going to be there. You will celebrate. The enemies, those who caused harm, who desire to see harm come your way, will see you celebrate out of that situation. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. The physical storm will come, but the Lord Almighty is always present to protect us. Let me just read something from Isaiah. Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43. I was sharing this last evening with some brethren. Isaiah 43, verse 1. See what God says about you. Hear what God says about you. And I want you to internalize these words. This is the word of God. I'm reading from Isaiah 43, verse one. It says, but now thus says the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. And I say this to you. God is using specific names. God is using a specific name. He's using a specific name for a person, Jacob. He's using a specific name for a tribe, Israel. God is dealing with you specifically. He's not dealing with you as a crowd. I was sharing with brethren yesterday. When you tell people, I love you all, it has got a different impact when you face one person and say, I love you. The, the kind, if, Even if this person was in the crowd and you said, I love you, He's not going to feel the same way as when you call him aside and say, You know, brother, I love you. No. This one, when he's alone, is going to be unique. It's going to be unique. It's going to be unique. It will have a greater impact on his life. So God is saying, I created thee, O Kenneth. Put your name there. I created thee, O Kenneth. And he that formed thee, O Kenneth, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Any physical harm that anybody desires to see the enemy has colluded with his agents to usher into your life shall not have effect because God is there with us. He is the one that has called us by our names. He knows us personally and he has dedicated himself to protecting us according to his word. In verse 2 of Isaiah 43, I will be with thee. That says the Lord, through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. That's what God has said in our lives today. I take it by faith. It shall be mine this morning. The third storm, financial storm, financial storm. No better example to use than that of Job. I will not read the whole of it. Most of you who had the opportunity to go to the Sunday school and probably the Friday school, you have got a story, a memory of this story of Job. So I read Job one eleven. but reach out and take away everything he has and he will surely cast you to your face. This is the devil who is speaking before God. He's seeking for an opportunity to go and release a storm in the life of Job. This storm is going to be a financial storm. Verse 12, all right, God says, you may test him. Now listen, it is God giving permission For the devil to bring a storm in the life of Job. All right, you may test him. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So the physical aspect, not there now. Financial. So Satan left the Lord's presence. And if you read, Father, you'll that after some time, he went on his drawing board, organized this plan, because the Bible says after some time, he came. <laughs> and suddenly Job began to see things turn. His empire collapsed. His financial empire was literally collapsing before his eyes. And the devil was sending one messenger after the other. I was in the field, and the Sabians came and they took all your camels, all your animals, all your sheep, all your possessions. Now remember, in those days, there was not money, real was not there. Your possession, your animals, that was your wealth. So that is I want you to translate it your, in your life. This is the messenger from the devil coming to tell you. Oh, the bank has collapsed, so there's no money. The stock market has collapsed, all your investment is gone. When such stories begin to come, the heat has hard. Job listened, verse 20. Job stood up after listening to all those reports, negative reports. The storm that the devil had gathered around him, The storm that he was sweeping in his direction. Job stood up and tore his robe in grief. He said, Now, this is my word, this is not what is written in the Bible. He said, and I think he was he was was prophetically saying ahead, because Jesus said, if somebody comes to take your tunic, he takes your shirt, your coat, give him also your tunic. You remember that? So Job said, okay, you've taken my animals. You've taken everything. Even this tunic, he tore it. He said, take it. Take it. You want this hair? He shaved it. Take it. Take everything. Take everything. After that, he fell down on the ground and worshiped the Most High. He said, Abba, Father, I glorify thee. I thank thee because you provided, you can also provide again. You shall supply again, you shall give me again in a double measure. Hallelujah. Secret. He turned to go. The disciples turned to go. Those young men turned to go. Can we see that thread? In those storms, this man who overcame discovered a secret, turning to God. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. So he's praising God actually for what has happened. He's not like the disciples, shouting, quarreling, questioning God, and asking him, why me? Why me? Why me? But instead, he worships God and gives him praise for who he is. Verse 22, in all this, Job did not sin by blaming God, by blaming God. Very easy. In times of storms, it's very easy for us to come out and begin to blame God. It's very easy. Be careful. This God is not there to be blamed. He's there to save you from the storm, to get you out of it. The story of Job, you know it. The physical harm came, it went. The man was still focused on God. In the very end, his latter days were more blessed than the former days because the storm is not there for eternity. It is there for a season, and it will go. I am Lord this hour. The next hour, I'm being lifted. That is why when somebody is broke, don't laugh at that person. It is just a season, and then the new season will come in. And he will be harvesting big and God will lift him up. Hallelujah. When somebody is is messed up emotionally, don't make that the story of the village. It is a season he's going through. The next season, he will be the one encouraging others. Don't make it a story. Final storm that we look at, spiritual storm. John 18, the spiritual storm. John chapter 18, verse 25. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, You are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied saying, No, I am not. He denied his faith. He denied the Lord. That's a spiritual thing. He's Denying his foundation. That's a storm in his life. He's just about, it's just about to unfold. 26, but one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, did I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? And again, Peter denied it and immediately a roaster crowed. That was a big storm in Peter's life. All he had been trying to hold in his life while he was walking with Jesus went to waste. The three years of faithfulness, faithfully working with the Lord, was wasted in one single night. He looked at himself, and I'm sure the devil was ministering to him. Oh, you have denied your Lord. So what is there? The best thing, suicide. There are ropes that are cheap. Go and hang yourself. Your friend Judas has already. is he, going. He's on his way. Follow him. Because of storms, people jump to many other solutions. But I thank God. God was patient with Peter. Then we see in John twenty-one. Peter being restored. Who is restoring him? Jesus. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 17, a third time, he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Yes, I failed you, but you know I love you. Yes, I let you down, but you know I love you. There's somebody in our midst. You may have just been having a terrible situation in your life. Your stand with God has been shaky, and you feel like you're being abandoned. But the same questions are being asked of you. Do you really love the Lord? You know your heart deep within the seed of God that is incorruptible was deposited in your spirit, and you know deeply within that you genuinely love God. But there's this one thing that makes you feel so far away from God. Say today, Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. He is ready and willing to take you. Jesus said, Then feed my sheep. Three times. Peter denied God. Three times, Jesus has purposefully, deliberately taken Peter through that process of renouncing his past, renouncing his failures, dissociating himself from all compromises. Three times, he has taken him through that process. Think about your life. Where is it that you started failing? God? Go. Go. Denounce those things again and again and again, and your way shall be smooth with the law. He is willing to take you up and to receive you again. Quickly, is there anything to learn from storms? We've we come to five questions that we just want to address quickly as we come up to the end. Who do you lift? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Five questions. Who do you listen to when in the midst of a storm? Who do you listen to when in the midst of a storm? Acts 27, 21. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, "Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete you would have avoided all this damage and loss. When the indications of storm were coming, Paul had warned these people, don't leave. But he being the voice of God, they did not listen to that voice and decided to go ahead. They didn't listen to God. The storm hit them hard. Praise the Lord. Verse 22, but take courage, you have made the first mistake, yes, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. There will be some losses, but you will be saved. There will be some regrets, but you will be saved. Mark 4, 38, the disciples turn to Jesus, don't you care that we perish? Because they realize they must now go and listen to him. So who do you listen to when the storms hit you. Number two, do not focus on the storm. Do not focus on the storm. Second thing that we learn from the storm, do not focus on the storms. Matthew 14, 29. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Human beings are so negative. We always emphasize the issue of Peter sinking. But yes, the Bible is saying in verse 29, before I go to 30, Before I take a a dash to verse 30, where I started sinking, the Bible says, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. There was some positive. But when the man focused on the storm, verse 30, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sing. Save me, Lord, he shouted. That is our saving grace. At that point, when you begin to realize you're losing it, shout unto Jesus. He will listen to you and come in. Number three, do not create a second storm. Do not create a second storm. Do not create a second storm. You are already in the storm and the devil is giving you new ideas on how to solve. Jonah had an experience of this. He was already conflicted within. He didn't want to carry out the purpose of God. Now that was already a storm in his life, in his spiritual life. And the man decides to go on the boat, inviting new, a secondary storm. It became a disaster. He slept in a place probably he never wishes to sleep. One day when we meet Jonah, we need to ask him. I don't know whether he will be remembering. We don't, (laughs) how was it? The belly of the fish? Brother Jonah, how did you feel? He will have a story to tell. Divorce rate, drinking, suicide, are things, indications of people seeking for a secondary. They have jumped into a secondary storm because they were seeking for a solution in the wrong way. So they jump into a secondary situation. Avoid such situations. They will lead you into bigger problems. Four, storms are places for changing destinies. Genesis 32, Genesis t- t- 32, verse 26. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. 28, your name will no longer be Jacob. This storm that Jacob was facing, Oh, it was good because it led to the change of his name. It led to the change of his name. This storm that he was going through was a place of changing his destiny. The man told him, from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. The storms teach you how to fight. The storms teach you how to claim a destiny in your life. Take advantage of those storms. Take advantage of the lockdowns. They will teach you and propel you to a new level. 29, please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. You must have your Peniel in these experiences. A place where the face of God manifests in your life. A place where the face of God comes so clearly to you and you begin to see another man that you have been relating to. Praise the Lord. Finally, number five, it is a place of discovering God's providence. It is a place of discovering God's providence for your life. Second Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. The, the children of Israel are facing a storm they have been besieged from all sides. No food in the city. They have nothing to eat. The lepers, the four lepers, are thrown out of the city, but something happens. Verse 8: When the lepers arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine. Ah, ah, ah. People who have been starving, people who had been facing death by starvation, possibility of death by starvation. Now, hear what is happening. Suddenly, suddenly, because this was a prophecy the previous day. Suddenly, they are eating and drinking wine. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing and heat. I thank God. These people became sober. Verse 9. Finally, they say to each other, this is not good. Let us go and share with our brethren. They have not been in the storm. They have been in the storm, but they have not discovered this blessing. Let us go and see them this not good not right this is a day of good news we aren't sharing it with anyone if we wait until morning some calamity will certainly fall upon us come on let's go back and tell the people at the palace we are speaking the good news this very hour god is interested in changing our destiny in these terms. I read this verse and I stopped there to invite the pastor for the benedictions. Yet, Isaiah 44, Yet now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord that made thee, and formed thee from the womb, which help thee, fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou Jesuit whom I have chosen, for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring, and they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. May the Lord bless you.